Welcome to episode 49 of I Am The Night, which is covering episode 53 of Batman the Animated Series, the episode Paging the Crime Doctor, written by Mike W. Barr, Laren Bright, and a script by Randy Rogel and Marty Pascoe, directed by Frank Power. With me, with me, with me even, as always, is the mighty, the powerful, the majestic Adamantium Ray himself. Greetings. Greetings. It is good to have checked in on a brand new episode and this one's been a wonderful character illustration episode and this one was a unexpected delight I would say. Oh well, well said I like that character illustration episode. I, I think it's a lovely quiet human story um, in every level because um, even our hero is extremely human in this one isn't he? Yeah Batman is shown to be quite vulnerable down on his luck in terms of a couple of injuries and really feeling it but I think that's to be expected for a relatively ordinary person still going through this kind of life that he does. So, yeah, it's not natural to see him sort of struggle with things, but he still makes it through because he's Batman. Well said, because he's Batman. <laughs> <laughs> that old chestnut. But it's a, it's a cracking little tale, and I like the way, again, it evokes the past and brings back your villainous Rupert Thorne, uh, hitherto un. un-, un- well, hitherto never before mentioned brother Matt Thorne, um, the return of the wonderful Leslie Tompkins, Alfred's in it, and we see Batman, as you said, down is like an injured because of a battle early on in the episode, but also his human side with mentions of the past between said new brother Matt Thorne, Leslie Tompkins, and their college and uh, medical school friend, Mr. Thomas Wayne. Yeah, we. Um, I feel like Batman reacts in the same way we do upon hearing yeah. the name of this Matt Thorne. This is a new character for us, and by surprise, it's a new character for Batman. He's someone who knew his father, but in a way he didn't really expect because he didn't know this man. Mm-hmm. Alfred only really knew him in brief fleeting mentions, so this new surprise is something that really takes Batman by surprise, and we feel that weight with him, which leads to the rather nice uh, cathartic moment towards the end of the episode but we can react and be surprised at the same time and in the same way as Batman because we're looking at this through Batman's perspective and we get that real sense that oh this is a person from the past we never heard of very interesting yeah and and an important person I have to completely admit because it took me by surprise too because I do not recall ever seeing this episode before this one is a first for me yeah, uh, I, I'll, I'll be honest, a lot of these episodes I'm still treating very fresh because what few I have seen I saw when I was very, very little. So I won't really take them as things that I would really remember or be part of my thinking. So, yeah, I'd say this was a first for me as well, but it was a much more quiet and thought out and uh, drawn through first. I'm really pleasantly surprised with it. Do you find 50-odd episodes into the season, nearing the end of season one, that this show's really found its legs now, its pacing's down pat, it manages to mix the character moments, the quiet moments, the dialogue, and some decent action into its 20 minutes perfectly now. I really don't know how they do it, but they do it perfectly. They really do handle it perfectly, because we see the opening of uh, clear and well-thought-out conflict between Mm. some armored truck guys and... Thorn, what we now know as uh, Rupert Thorne's people the conversation between the Thorne brothers gives us all the context we need 
and everything's clearly thought out and explained and then we see the detective work fold out to realising who he is and what's been going on. I'm really glad you brought that up because yes, again, we see some great detective work, some vintage Batman because he's injured clearly, um, a laser bolt to the head and some rough a rough ride on a cable car and an ambulance lead him to a fairly mild concussion but a strong one. And again, we get that wonderful moment from Leslie where she says, um, take the day off. And uh, I think she's glad by the end of the episode that he doesn't, aren't you? Yeah, but we were all banking on the fact that he would never do something like that because he can't, especially not now as there's a, in the middle of a case because there's a missing piece of medical equipment to find. But uh, we're grateful that Batman should but doesn't rest. Absolutely. And like we said, that the whole detective thing from the surgical mask worn by one of the goons being Rose Medical Supplies. Again, Rose, Thorne, that deduction, one of Thorne's legitimate companies. Yep. And then tracking uh, Leslie down and finding the photograph of Thomas Wayne with Leslie as a gift signed by their mutual friend, Matthew Thorne. And uh, then, as we see, um, he tracks Thorne down and... Uh, saves the day in typical Batman fashion. As we can expect. And it's well handled and paced with the focus enough on Batman that we can see him handling the action, but we still feel that most of the episode is sort of driven and directed by the emotional thought and personal growth that this Matt Thorne has to go through. Absolutely. And isn't it always the way in fiction with two brothers from the beginning with Cain and Abel? Um, who are then vividly uh, brought to even more life by Alan Moore and later Neil Gaiman, that you have the brothers there where one is dark and one is light. And we've even seen it earlier in this series with uh, uh, the gangster and his brother who t becomes a priest. So do you know, this is, it's an archetypal form of storytelling, isn't it? It's an archetypal storytelling because it's still very old, as you say. It's from the Bible. From the beginning, the first story. One of the first few stories just told ever. But it's just a very useful one because, uh, speaking as a fiction writer, it's an easy, immediate source of emotional tension and conflict. You can have the two brothers ha share the same values, share the same core beliefs because they grew up together. But their personal beliefs and their bonds could be different, which causes them to conflict with each other. So it's a natural, easy way to bridge a union between two opposing forces, but still have them conflicting enough to be able to drive a story forward. So it's a is a reason why it's a very done yeah. story type, but that doesn't mean it's still good because it is still good. Well, I say if it's effective, if it works, use it. And oh, long and short of it is, the, the story involves Thorn's goons trying to track down some medical equipment because Thorn himself is dying. He has a tumor, and his brother, a former doctor who's disgraced due to helping his brother out, thanks to his criminal lifestyle, has his license revoked and has to by nature then become a crime doctor but it's something that he's not happy with it's something that he doesn't want to do and from there we see and again batman is the best character for this a redemption arc for someone who is doing the thing the wrong things but for the right reasons and it's the only way for him to practice medicine and do you think that's a great little story a lovely little yeah. side it's a really well handled and it gives a natural progression in the character within the case of the episode we've talked about the character progression and growth of your side characters in the yes. show so far we've seen how we look warm and start to trust batman so having that kind of character development for this character in the single episode the episode that we meet him that we start with him begrudgingly reluctantly going along with his 
brothers criminal enterprises and bringing people from his own past in through shady means to finally recognizing that this is not the right way and finally now speaking and thinking like the doctor he accepts his fate and nods along and understands so we get real growth from what is effectively still a minor one-off character but we still see that done so well absolutely well said and I like the down-to-earth and the realism of this episode too with obviously a crime doctor, a backstreet doctor admitting that the type of surgery required to save his brother's life isn't something he'd be able to handle alone. I mean, even in a real hospital, that kind of surgery would not be performed by one surgeon, be a lead surgeon plus his team of backups. And of course, um, with his history with Leslie, who else is going to be able to... Uh, assist him in, in the operation. Yep, he would want someone he knows, someone he trusts, someone who knows him, and most importantly, someone who's very good at what they do. He can count on that because even if he's out of the medical loop, everyone in that part of Gotham knows that Leslie Tompkins's clinic is still mm. a sort of cornerstone of the community and she's still practicing medicine broadly and effectively. So, yeah, he can still count on her help, even if she doesn't want to give it for the best or worst reasons. Absolutely. I mean, even in the in the comics universe, Leslie Tompkins is a renowned physician, someone who could work in the biggest and best hospitals, get paid incredible amounts of money. But as a true doctor, as a true healer, she wants to help those that can't help themselves, those without the insurance, and run a free clinic. And that's translated again into the animated series. But it, it's great that I, I like your thoughts on this. That I saw that Matthew was completely unlike his brother from the beginning. I knew for a fact when Thorne tells his goons that once the operation's over, Tompkins has to be silenced. I did worry for a, for a second that Matthew was going to go ahead with it, but not for too long. I mean, did you expect him to turn against his brother and the goons and help Leslie, or was that a nice surprise? I was somewhat counting on it. I still believe and still know the brother versus brother trope to say that if Rupert Thorne's the kind of guy that would issue this kind of command to his cronies, then if he's got to be true to the form, his brother Matt really can't do that. Mm -hmm. I was counting on it, and I'm very glad to have seen that sort of payoff. There was very little doubt for me. I'd say it was a, he handled it exactly as I would have written it. Yeah, agreed. And not only that, it's so true that even though he's a disgraced doctor and doctor practicing without a medical license anymore, he still holds true to that medical oath of never taking a life. And yeah. that, to me, is what I thought. No, he, he won't do it. And um, it's really touching in the end scenes with Bruce as well because... I, I do believe, Leslie believed it, and by the time that Batman finds out his story that he believe it too. Yeah, I'd say so as well. I also can really count on the character's overall heroism just simply because even though he had his medical license revoked, he was probably still kept to being like a back alley doctor under Rupert Thorne's thumb, but he still had the need to help people with his extensive medical training. He could have gone on to another profession, another career, gone back to school to learn something else, but no, he just chose to stay a medical practitioner of some kind shows that in his essence the character still likes to help people one way or another yeah absolutely much like Batman himself and obviously as you said the pacing of the story and the way it manages to juggle two fairly big action scenes one right at the beginning and one at the end and we see a weakened Batman a Batman with a concussion is still not someone you really want to trifle with he does get his own back against a fairly capable 
um, scalpel throwing orderly. Scalpel throwing laser shooting orderly, yeah. <laughs> the concussion does give him a lot of pause and a lot of attention. Reason. He has to really sort of calculate things because he's seeing double and triple. Mm-hmm. But he does what he has to by taking what advantages he can have. He puts distance between himself and the guy. He lets himself get up high on those stacks of crates. He lets himself get the breather and get his senses back and try to recover. He does what he has to to try and keep himself not being crushed by an orderly who's throwing samples. He... If it, cause if it was if he had his full mental faculties, mm-hmm. that fight would be fine. Yeah. I believe that he Absolutely. had been out of that guy fairly easily. The same way he wouldn't have been thrown off the bridge by the first lot of goons mm-hmm. in the beginning. So he knew what he had to do to try and like recover and work with what little senses and faculties he had because if he didn't then he'd just lose. Absolutely. And even in his weakened state uh, he never ceases to amaze me as a character. He threw himself off that roof to catch Leslie as if he was in the prime of health. And his willingness to sacrifice his own safety to protect others, particularly those like Leslie, who he clearly loves, um, is just such a testament to, to, to the character as, as a hero and as a human being, isn't it? Yep, it's a consistent, constant level of heroism that we can always count on Batman for. Granted, still, I believe that he would have still flung himself from the roof and swung away to safety for any civilian on the street. Yeah, absolutely. But there was a sort of intent there with the, with it being a character that he knows and loves and respects. So it's still also a very nice thing to see. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, week after week, obviously and naturally, we sing the praises of Kevin Conroy from Zimbalist Jr. as Batman and Alfred. Of course, this week we've seen the returning Diana Muldaur as Leslie Tompkins and the dastardly John Vernon as Rupert Thorne. But this week, the main character is obviously Dr. Matthew Thorne, played by, and again, how this series manages to grab TV and cinema royalty from the American um, guidebook to Best Actors on Earth. Uh, Joseph Campanella, who played Matt Thorne, you were looking at his credits and you said, oh my God, what hasn't yep. this guy been in? <laughs> I, had, I have a Wikipedia much closer to hand on my apps than you do, so I was looking through him while, you were, while we were doing our initial research before starting recording. I looked through and there's stuff going back to 1958 and 57. Yeah. This man has done everything. This man has truly done everything. Well, case in point, um, shows like Guiding Light, The Bold and the Beautiful, he was the voice, and this is where I remember the voice from. Growing up, there was a documentary series um, called Discover, made by Disney, and it was repeated on the Disney Channel. He was the narrator for that. He was like, to all intents and purposes, he's like an American um, uh, Richard Attenborough, I guess. He's like, yeah. He opened Jurassic Park. No, no, not David. Oh, sorry, David Attenborough. Thank Dear you. Lord, God. <laughs> uh, yes, David Attenborough. Better. He is the voice of uh, natural history documentaries. He was Dr. Kirk Connors, the lizard, on 20 episodes of Spider-Man the Animated Series, Disney spin-off The Colbys, the real Days of Our Lives as opposed to the Joey Tribbiani version, um, Untouchables, The Fugitive, Shane, Mission Impossible, Ironside, Michael Swell, BMD, to name but a few. His 
Geek Cred is Incredible, Beauty and the Beast, alongside Ron Perlman and Linda Hamilton. Episode of Superboy is a character called The Phantoms, CSI, Star Trek Voyager, and movies like No Retreat, No Surrender 3, and Meteor. Like I said, um, that's about a tenth of the credits on his IMDb and, and Wikipedia page. An extensive, seasoned veteran yes. of character acting. This yeah. man has truly done everything, and to give in the layers yeah. and the levels of heroism while still putting on that sort of gruff inner city mm. east coast yes. accent that would mirror Thorn so you could believe that they were related yeah this absolutely inspired casting choice I would say really good really good and brilliantly animated as well that the character design if you didn't know they were brothers you'd never have guessed it but when you get them both together the slight familiar resemblance maybe one more resembles the father one more resembles the mother but clearly brothers and the accent Really, it's brilliantly done. Very well done. Perfect mix of excellent casting and brilliant performances by both actors and the excellent character design yeah. and illustration of the art team. Yeah, yeah. Well said. Right, as always, our takeaway moments, good, bad or ugly, from Paging the Crime Doctor. I honestly loved this episode as a mm. wonderful illustrative character portrait. And we got a heartwarming episode of our heroes at their best and a new hero that I've really learned to love and respect. But me, the ever-eagle-eyed thing, there was something I spotted in the episode Ooh. that a little bit bothered me. Oh, This is something I will 100% forgive because... Wrong I'm side not... of the car? No. What? Okay. Well, you save that for a moment. <laughs> um, the beautiful moment right at the end of the episode where Bruce Wayne has the moment where he gets to talk to... Uh, Matt as a Matt as a medical student mm -hmm. and learn about his father as a young and up and coming mm -hmm. doctor. Wonderful, beautiful moment, and we pan away as the two of them sit down in the isolation cell and talk it out. We can't hear, but we don't need to. But I find it very bizarre that we see the shot of them at the window, but the door to the cell is gone, as though it wasn't drawn on the opposite wall. Ah. so the art team must have missed the door so it was just a sheer wall as we pan away from the camera but I was just like okay so the door's gone <laughs> I, I didn't spot that because I honestly watch movies and TV shows looking for horrendous continuity errors because I edit a lot of video and podcasts so I have to make sure the continuity is always pretty good so when things like that happen they naturally come up to me and I found that one kind of bizarre but with that said just a little personal foible that I'm pretty sure my father will have to go back and watch now just to know what I'm talking about. But a wonderful mo uh, wonderful thing I can look over from an otherwise wonderful episode. Absolutely. I had a similar quibble. Um, again, it was a continuity glitch at the beginning of the episode where the goonie throws the gas with the beard. Originally, he's on one side of the car, but when the car stops, he gets out the other side. Oh dear. But again, I'm prepared to forgive it because like you said, great story brilliant characters it's a vintage piece of tv fiction and it's a, just a touching down-to-earth human story that proves once again that you don't need to have cosmic angst and world-shattering terrors every week in an episode of a superhero show sometimes these quieter episodes are often the most life-affirming and the most important they remind you that heroes can be anywhere and come from any sort of situation and they're just as inspiring as the grand heroes in the capes here here sir well said well 
that has been another episode of I Am The Night. Thoroughly enjoyed this one. I'm waiting for the day I say otherwise. If you like the show, please do subscribe, rate and review. Let us know what you think we're doing right, what you think we're doing wrong. Catch this show, the DC Comics News Podcast, The Spinner Rack, Mad Love, The Harley Quinn Cast and other new shows coming your way soon on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple and Google Play. Catch DC Comics News, Dark Knight News across Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr and YouTube. But... Adam Ray, my partner in crime, my no longer a teen wonder, where can the universes at large find your work, sir? For Batman-flavoured things, I review many titles a month on Dark Knight News, and for My One True Love PC and Tabletop Gaming, you can find me discussing that on Our Baby, Our Pride and Joy, FantasticUniverses.com. Oh, yes. Writing about the granddaddy of them all, Dungeons & Dragons, you can find my writing brewing many monsters a week on... The Apotheosis Studios blog. Do check your eyes out on the Red Opera and Sirens oh, yeah, on the Battle of the Bars coming to you very soon. Follow me on Twitter at IsItTinkerer and you can find visual media featuring me playing Dungeons and Dragons with my dear friends on No Ordinary Heroes on YouTube. And you can find me doing many PC and video and console variety Let's Plays on the Hostile Atmosphere on YouTube. All of which are well worth checking out. You'll love them. Watch them. Listen enjoy them uh, you can catch my dulcet tones on the aforementioned shows i listed earlier and also on the superheroes for dummies podcast on the comics in motion feed and on the uh, much uh, loved i am the night which we do every week my son and i on this very very channel but also if you want to read my written work just type steve j ray or fantastic universe into a search engine of choice for my news reviews and interviews and please talk to me on twitter at lstevo el underscore s-t-e-e-v-o but until you do there's something everyone needs to do read more comics and watch more batman thank you for listening bye now <laughs> <laughs>